0: Kia ora and welcome today. We are continuing in our Reset series. In the first week, Grant spoke to us about being with Jesus. Last week, Ethan encouraged us to become more like Jesus. And today, we are going to continue by going right back to basics and looking at how do we do what Jesus did. One of the things that Ethan began by encouraging us with last week was he said, If the past two years have proved anything, it's that we all struggle with these three very things more than what we realize. And I believe that he is so right. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what he did easily seems to fall off when we are focusing on just surviving. Yet in the reset, we need to ask, how can I thrive when my response is to survive? And we believe that here at Windsor, the answer is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. That is how we can thrive no matter what. I was listening to a podcast the other day about winning cultures in sporting clubs. I know I'm a bit of a geek, but listen to this quote. Are they, the teams, better because they are more disciplined or are they more disciplined which makes them better? Poor discipline hurts teams. Stop blaming the ref. What you do off the field affects what you do on the field. For example, when running a training drill, we had a culture and would talk about touching the line. An inch short, an inch long is no good. It's all about being deliberate. How do you treat the club members? How do you treat the fans? How do you treat your locker area after training? If you cut corners, you can expect that you won't be disciplined elsewhere. If you're not disciplined in your life, you can't expect to be disciplined on game day. This quote can no doubt be seen as a work harder, do more, train more, be more in the light of professional sport. But when you put it into the context of following Jesus, I see this as an encouragement. As we are disciplined, we are more like Jesus. This quote characterizes the mentality of the elite sports person. But I believe it can also characterize the heart of following Jesus, being deliberate, being intentional. As an apprentice follows their boss, they learn the discipline They do what their boss has done. They learn to be deliberate in every aspect of their job. So they too will be following them. Like we can follow Jesus, called to be deliberate in our faith in every way, disciplined, so that when game day comes, we are ready. Today, we are continuing to look back at the basics. Let's look through the book of Matthew. And I want to start in chapter 10 and reflect back on what has led up to this and how Jesus has shaped and formed the disciples. Jesus sends out the 12, chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal the diseased and the sickness. These were their names. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas. And then as we jump down a little bit, it says these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And Jesus proceeds to tell them what to do. And what I want us to pick up in this passage is these individuals had been with Jesus. They were doing the best that they could to to become like him. And now Jesus had given them the opportunity to go out and do what he did. Jesus is sending them out and he sends us out to do the same. My immediate response is, how am I supposed to do that? How do we do what the disciples did? How did we do what Jesus did? The disciples literally had a physical Jesus with them to follow. What about us 2,000 years later? And it seems cliche, but our first answer, I believe, is to dive into the word and understand the patterns of Jesus' life. And when we do that, We can adopt it. We can take it in and make it our own. And I want to look at the timeline according to Matthew and his gospel of what Jesus did. First of all, Jesus, his ministry begins in in chapter 4. Jesus also gathers his disciples at that time and then he begins to teach on the mount in verses chapters 5 to 7. Now, chapter 8 onwards, I think there is this distinct shift that happens as he demonstrates to his disciples how to live out your faith. How to go about doing what Jesus did. Follow me for a second. Matthew 8 verse 1. Jesus had come from the mountain and they brought a man and he knelt before him. Matthew 8 verse 5. Now Jesus entered Capernaum and the centurion came to him. Verse 23. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat They woke him up and he spoke to the wind and the waves. Matthew 9 verse 1, Jesus crossed over and came to his home city. Then they brought a paralytic man to him. Verse 18, while Jesus was teaching, a ruler came in, worshipped him. My daughter is dead. You must come lay hands on her and she will live. Verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us. Verse 32: As they went out, they brought a demon-possessed man before him. Notice in every situation, there is an action that precedes the interruption. Jesus is on the move. He is going somewhere. He is doing something, going to somebody's house. He's on his way to lunch. He's just had dinner. He's trying to have a break. In one case, he's even just trying to go home. And yet, in every situation, he is interrupted. He is stopped by somebody who needs something, who wants something from him. But yet, Jesus doesn't see them as interruptions. He sees it as an opportunity, an opportunity to teach his disciples. An opportunity to bless those individuals, an opportunity to bring honour and glory to God, to bring about his kingdom then and there. And at the end of every single one of these stories, and, and all of the uh, many more that surround it, notice that Jesus is teaching, he is healing, he is caring, and he is loving. Verse 35 in, in, in chapter 9 even describes the compassion that Jesus has for people. He's going everywhere and He's doing all of the above. Jesus, He doesn't have a a theory class for His disciples that says 10 steps to being like me. No, He's taking them on a journey with Him. The build-up that takes place before Jesus sends His disciples out is an opportunity for them to be exposed to the the good things that Jesus is doing and, and He's showing them how to do it. They are now equipped and ready to go. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus were to say to me, go and do the same, there would be a hesitation. I would be nervous. I'm a pastor and I'm literally uh, nervous to do a few of those things. They're not necessarily my strong suit. But a German psychologist in the 90s, he said it takes an average of 10,000 hours to become a master of something. That's excluding natural talent or skill sets. But it's the same when it comes to faith. We often think, oh, I've grown up in church. I've, I've mastered this. I'm a good Christian. Or maybe you're new to faith and you're sitting there and you're going, oh, I haven't done this very much. Oh, it'll be a long time before I'm a good Christian. But the reality is, is it's not a, a 10,000 hour mastery sort of situation. Abiding with Jesus, apprenticeship to Jesus, following him so closely that you are covered in his dust. That never gets old. We won't become masters at being followers of Jesus. It's a present and continuous thing. And that's okay. And when we understand that this is a a lifetime journey, I think it brings a different perspective to this element of reset. It brings a different perspective to how we interact with Jesus and we do what Jesus did. In the return to the new normal, we have a choice of how we are going to choose to live. And I want to encourage us, how are we going to do what Jesus did going forward? To grow and to mature, uh, to do what Jesus did requires practice, community and the Holy Spirit. Doing what Jesus did takes practice. We can't always expect to go out there and be the next Billy Graham or, you know, a phenomenal communicator. But what we can do is be intentional. One thing that I've done over the years is be intentional in the way when I catch a lift with Uber drivers. Often I have five or ten minutes before I'm going to get to my destination. So I have not long at all to engage this God conversation that I want to do. And as I practice and figure out what works, what doesn't work, I improve and I, and I figure out what is it that actually Jesus is calling me to do in those moments. It's not about having the individual conversation. What's important is the intentionality and the practice that I am engaging with. Community is so important as well. An African proverb said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We need to be doing the journey together to encourage one another, to pull the other person up and say, hey, maybe that probably wasn't the right thing. And not only that, we need to remain with the Holy Spirit in the center of it all. He is the one that guides and directs us as we go off and as we put it into practice, as we do life in community. He is the one that encourages us, that, it, that leads us. The other thing that I would love to encourage us or for us to think about is know the season and the stage of life that you're in. Remember, we have already talked about following Jesus isn't something that you can become a master of. Jesus is, is it's a journey following Him. But look at Jesus and the seasons that He went through. We can see that we don't even know much about the first 30 years of his life. And in the three years of ministry that are recorded, we see so many different things that are going on. What season of life are you in? Are you in a season of singleness? Are you in a, single, a season of kids? A season of spiritual drought? Or it is well with your soul? Our response is different in every one of those situations. But it's okay. It's a long journey. Often we ask, what would Jesus do? And I heard a great quote from John Mark Comer asking, what would Jesus do is not a bad question, but it's a bit misleading. Jesus was a first century male Jewish itinerant rabbi, most of whom we are not. And if you're praying, where should I live? What would Jesus do? Well, he'd probably sleep on his rich friend's couch or go camping. An even better question is, what would Jesus do if he were me? What I love about this question is it reframes what is going on for each and every one of us, especially as we engage this new normal. For some, the Holy Spirit might be saying, slow down, just rest, be with me, stop striving. And for others, the Holy Spirit might be kicking you up the backside saying, it's time to put your faith into action. It's time to get out there and get out of this rut of apathy that you're in. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I know for all of us, it's something different, but we all need to start with the basics. Love your neighbor, one of them, one of the greatest commandments. What did Jesus do? He came to seek and save the lost. How did he do it? By eating and drinking with people that were far from him. Who are you eating and drinking with? Who are you rubbing shoulders with? Who is your neighbor? The world is constantly shifting and changing. But yet the word describes hospitality, loving people and that is not to change. Maybe for you that means inviting somebody that you sit with at work to have lunch with you. Maybe it means inviting somebody to your place for dinner. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in those situations. Finally, let us see the opportunity in the interruption. Remember what I said earlier? Everything that Jesus did was a reaction to an interruption in his life. Jesus saw them as opportunities. Jesus didn't schedule in miracles. He didn't say at Tuesday at 5 p.m. I'm going to heal this person and on Wednesday I'm going to do that. No, he embraced the interruption follow the prompting of the Spirit, see the opportunity and practice what Jesus did. Last week, Ethan and I were at the gym and uh, I like to be focused at the gym. I like to go in, get in, go hard and go home. While we were there, uh, this guy walks in, he's larger than life and larger in real life too. And Ethan had met him before so he goes up to him and says hello and I introduce myself and this guy just begins to describe the challenges of his season of life at the moment. And the gym filled with 30 or so people standing around and he says that that he's in real need and I felt the Holy Spirit say pray for him. And, And I said, hey, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, yes, please. And so we prayed and he was grateful and I haven't seen him since. But had I gone in with my mentality of get in, go hard, go home, I would have missed the moment. I would have ignored the interruption. I would have missed the opportunity to pray for this guy. Who knows where he's at? Who knows what God might have done? Who knows what others saw and might be thinking? But it's a space where the Holy Spirit can move to potentially impact and change somebody's future. Can I encourage you take time to see with the eyes of Jesus what the Spirit might be doing? To do what Jesus did, we need to be deliberate. We need to be deliberate in what we do and get back to basics. No matter where you are, no matter what season you're in, we can take time in our apprenticeship to Jesus and say, we need to slow down. Ask Him, reveal to us, Lord, the opportunity and the interruption. Let us grow and mature as we face different seasons in our life, as we get back to the basics, as we reset. Help us, Jesus, in this moment, understanding that the future that will be impacted and changed by the Spirit's movements. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.